This is the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with... Andy Brad Bernard. JB. Mike Molina. Frankie Quinones. We'll be back with more right here on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, But I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. I was just saying, this is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader. <laughs> I, I get it, Mike. You Frank. like the song. I like it. No, no. I, well, I got to put some L.A. music on for Frankie. <laughs> right, well, thank you. <laughs> we were talking about O.J. in the last segment. Uh, you were there in L.A. during the big uh, oh, slow yeah. roll Bronco chase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what was it like in that time to be there? I mean, we watched it transfixed to the TV, which is the weirdest thing, right? Could you watch a more Boeing? Aside from golf and bowling, what could be more boring than watching a car drive slowly down the road? <laughs> know, right? But when it's old Jay Simpson in the backseat with a gun to his head, it's a whole different thing. You know? <laughs> hey, let's not forget, they also interrupted you know, the NBA Finals. Yeah, right. dude, like that. the NBA Finals, <laughs> man. I was at J.D. Hoyt's watching it. I don't even know why I was there that night, but I was watching it. And then the guy that is part owner now says, you need to check this out. They're chasing OJ. And I was like, what? And then as they kept going, I was like, and then I they know they're I chasing should. OJ. Are you picturing him running through like a terminal? Like <laughs> no, he was right. Right. Yeah, I, I knew he was, that he did. <laughs> right. But I'm like, 
as this is going on, it's like, please save us. Please blow your brains out. Because I knew, I just wow. had a Whoa. feeling. <laughs> I just had a feeling. Dark guy. <laughs> I just had a feeling of, I knew what was coming next. And that's what exactly what happened. Everything yeah. that happened after that, exactly what I thought was going to happen. <sighs> that's crazy. JB, you've got a uh, This was a dark 84? <laughs> Yeah. When was it? No, 94. 94. 94, yeah. 94, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was too young to... Yeah, I was too young to really care what was going on at the time, but I do remember it being all over the place, just everywhere. Even when I was... I was eight, so, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it was, it was one of the weirdest things. And, and you couldn't turn away from it, right? You're no. just sitting there like, what is going to go on? I remember being in school in class and they turned it on the TVs and the teacher just stopped class and was like, we got to watch this, you know? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> the only time I, that ever happened to me was 9 11. So, right. So yeah. I guess they're, the, I guess they're a similar um, uh, importance. Or when the space shuttle blew up. I remember them watching yeah. TV for oh, that. Right, but right. why do you watch, who, why did we care so much because, about the juice because hitting he, the road? He was a he was a football star and he was a Heisman Trophy winner and he was, you know, he was a uh, he's a movie personality star. too. Yeah, yeah he was a movie star from. Oh yeah, in the nineties, yeah. our uh, athletes were like, yeah, people saw them as gods, especially kids. Kids really, really got into athletes. And people call that the first reality show. I would say cops beat him to the punch on that in the 1980s, but yeah, that was the, the well, they created court TV for that, right? Right. Well, court but, court TV exploded because right because of that. Of that. Yeah. It says the Bronco mm-hmm. Chase dominated sports coverage on a day with major sports news. June 17th, 1994, legendary golfer Arnold Palmer played his last round at the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. The World Cup opened up in Chicago. The Rangers celebrated winning the Stanley Cup. Yep. The Knicks played Game 5 of the NBA Finals against the Houston Rockets. And Ken Griffey Jr. tied Babe Ruth for the most home runs hit before June 30th. ESPN covered... The other big sporting news, but jumped back and forth for frequent updates on the chase. NBC continued coverage of the NBA Finals, but the game appeared in a small box (laughs) in the corner (laughs) while Tom Brokaw anchored coverage of the Bronco chase. Domino's Pizza was the big winner on this deal. They they recorded record sales of pizza delivery. During the chase. I guess in L.A. it would have been hard to get there on time, though, right? Because the roads (laughs) were jammed up. Presumably because people were glued to the TV set, not wanting to miss anything, they ordered pizza. It was a record night at the time. It was dinner time on the West Coast and 9 p.m. on the East. People were fascinated and didn't want to miss it. It was as big as Super Bowl Sunday up to that point, said Tim McIntyre, vice president of corporate communications for Domino's Pizza. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I just recall... Like I said, I was at Hoyt's. Costas kept breaking into the NBA game, mm-hmm. and then NBC just gave up and just mm-hmm. went to the chase. And like you said, they put a small window in the uh, up in the upper left hand corner. And if you wanted to watch the the game, that's what you had to watch. Right, right, that little box. Yeah. Uh, Robert Kardashian. So we really have OJ to thank for the Kardashians too, don't we? Yes, we do. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Kardashian, father of Courtney, Kim, Chloe, and Rob, was OJ Simpson's friend. He read a note by Simpson on the day of the chase and served with his defense team during Simpson's murder trial. When Simpson failed to turn himself in on the day of the case, Robert Kardashian read a letter by Simpson to the media. This letter was interpreted by many as a suicide note. Mm-hmm. 
to whom it may concern, first, everyone understand I had nothing to do with Nicole's murder. Don't feel sorry for me. I've had a great life, great friends. Please think of the real OJ and not this lost person. Thanks for making my life special. I hope I helped yours. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, uh, how did he spin that later? Did he try to say, "Oh no, I was just letting you know I was okay"? <laughs> well, his um, the guy that was driving Al, driving him around, Al Collins, tucked him out of not blowing his brains. Out. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Well, wasn't OJ in the far back? Yeah, part he of was the, in like, the far, not yeah. even in the seats, right? He right. was like in the cargo compartment. Well, he was in the back, and the 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 front windows were all clear, but the back ones were tinted. So tinted so you couldn't see him go back to that one article for me for a second would you mike i just wanted to read that last bit here oj simpson said he was not running but that he had some interesting items with him when the chase ended Mm -hmm. during the chase on the phone with lapd detective tom lang simpson said you let the police know you will let them know i'm not i wasn't running when cowlings pulled into simpson's driveway police were waiting the sun set and simpson was still holed up in the car police didn't approach the bronco simpson had a gun and they wanted to avoid a potentially violent end finally two hours after police first spotted him simpson emerged from the bronco clutching family photos he staggered out of his car and collapsed into officers arms in cowling's pockets police found almost nine thousand dollars in cash in the bronco police found a fake goatee and Mm -hmm. mustache with a bottle of makeup adhesive and receipts from a beauty store along with simpson's passport and the gun he was running to the border how can you hide out as oj simpson where could you go even with a goatee where people aren't gonna go god that guy looks like goj with a goatee It's the it's the juice. Yeah, it's the juice. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, is, is there still any doubt in anybody's mind that OJ did this? No. Oh yeah, a lot of people. Frankie, you're oh. shaking your head. What do you? Do oh oh. What do you, I mean, do you think he was involved or no? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Some people don't. I just I'm curious, and I'm always I'm always curious what it is, Andy. What do these people cite that? They find I don't it still leads I don't him to really be know. We <laughs> I guess in cases like that, it's just uh, you know they've always admired him, and they're just going to need really, really, really solid proof before they admit it. <laughs> we and it wound up on a best of, but we interviewed around that after that happened. We interviewed this woman who wrote a book and got it published somehow, and her whole thing was. The CIA and the FBI was out to frame yeah. black uh, no uh, black men with notoriety, mm-hmm. and OJ mm-hmm. was the first. And they had drugged him, took blood from his body, smeared it all over the place, and then um, left him somewhere where he would be found. That was the whole basis of her thing. Wow. And I'd never forget Bob Sansevier's <laughs> Tom. Stop talking right. and literally yelled at Terry for booking this woman. <laughs> of course, it was Terry. <laughs> and and Bob goes, "Can I ask a question?" Tom and Tom goes, "Sure, whatever." <laughs> he goes, "What color is the sky in the world? <laughs> right part of the world you in right now?" Well, it's like the the Holocaust deniers, oh, right? Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you, it didn't happen. It's just uh, bad PR. We were just screwing with the Nazis, right? What? <laughs> it didn't happen. How do you there cover that? There are lots of people <laughs> know, right? out there with beliefs like that. Well, a lot of people don't seem to understand that just because 
you can make something up that can't be disproven doesn't mean it's true. true. Right. It's right, just right. Like, like yeah, I can't I can't prove to you that I I mean you can't prove that I don't have, you know, the world's largest gold nugget in my closet, but that doesn't mean I do. Right. 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 I mean, yeah. th- those are the people who believe that President Bush took down the towers in 9/11. Yeah, did Bush did 9/11, that was a thing. Bush did 9/11, the Jews did 9/11, the government died did 9/11. Mm-hmm. Uh what else was there? Yeah, there's a lot well, of people did and 9/11. I do understand some of the weird conspiracies. I mean, there are some especially when you're talking about 9/11. Whether you want to buy into it or not, there's some weird stuff surrounding that oh, case. Yeah. Like the fact that the vice president was currently under scrutiny for Bill, was it billions of dollars missing or it might have even been like a trillion there was some insane amount of money that he was being looked at Whoa. and wouldn't you know it that the plane hit the exact part of the pentagon where all those records were kept and there's no video footage of the plane hitting the building there's video footage of the aftermath and right. the wheels outside there and i'm not saying one way or another on this but it right, is right. kind it of is- interesting that that deflected all the news off the vice president and he was never called out for it again but nobody ever responded to what happened all that money that went missing. Well, I have a cousin who was in the Pentagon, mm-hmm. and he was injured Jeez. in the Pentagon that day. Well, they're not doubting that it, that something That's happened to there. Right. But was it really a plane hitting it, or was it a missile? That's right. what a lot of people are, are debating still. Because it it's the Pentagon. Doesn't that raise some red flags to you that mm-hmm. the Pentagon, one of the most important buildings <laughs> know, in our world, yeah, wasn't a security camera watching wait. it? Well, not only that, I, I would always think, have always thought that the Pentagon was kind of like you can't fly over it. Right, right, right. Well, and the, if you did, they were scrambling. Well, yeah. I don't know. There's been a lot of look at. There's been light aircraft that got over the uh, the White House before that. So it is touchable, right? I mean, the, you mm-hmm. know, these places did have it. That's why one of the yeah. funniest stories when I talk on our show, Darkness Radio, about the paranormal, and people always say, "Well, if UFOs exist, why don't they fly over Washington and uh, make themselves known?" They actually did in 1952. This isn't a joke. If you go look, there's Life magazine, and it's got Marilyn Monroe on the cover from 1952. And in the magazine, there's photographs. They talk about the UFOs that were hanging out over Washington, D.C., and there's photographs of them. This is 1952. This wasn't Photoshopped. This wasn't manipulated. But we don't. Nobody talks about it. Nobody carries on. But it's like really weird that that exists, right? Wow. There's yeah, all these yeah. weird news stories that we just kind of forget about and push yeah. away. And, oh, okay. Yeah. But that on was the over next. the White House and over the capitals, and and there was no scrambling of jets. So I know that sounds crazy, but look it up. No, People no, think okay. I'm nuts. They also it, thought man. I was I nuts about the T Rex <laughs> chicken, but it's true. You were talking off air that uh, we were talking about these car chases and how many happened. What did you say? There was a car that got... Oh, yeah. It, it, uh, it went airborne and it hit like a curb and then it ended up lodged in a second story of a, of a building uh, in L.A. Yeah, so it was like half a car s- sticking out of a second story of a, of a building. I think it was a laundromat or something downstairs, but yeah, wild, man. That just yeah. sounds like a, a <laughs> special effect for a movie, I know, right? right? Like they it were was like... filming a scene from Die Hard 18. <laughs> Wow, I'm but, sure you could pull that up, man. If you just search it on the internet, it was. Do we do we have uh, do we have these fast chases we that do. take place in Minnesota? We do. When? We just had one a couple of weeks or a week or so ago where the, a guy was doing over a hundred. Hmm. The it might have been the which, wrong which way. Which one of our sports teams did he play for? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't break in or do anything like that. They just they just report the aftermath here. Why is that? 
I don't know. We're not like in L.A. or whatever. It's like the helicopters it's good, it's good are in L.A. It's good TV in L.A. You know? Well, in, in L.A., they have to show it because nobody would believe that a high-speed chase took place on those highways because those <laughs> right, things are right. like a wall. It's a parking lot. And I think they there's just so many news choppers just always up, you know, so they're ready, man. Yeah, you might want to move. It's either going to sink <laughs> into the ocean, earthquake bound, or uh, or OJ's going to cut loose again in another medium been, speed I, I've chase. I've seen at least three just in yeah. right, right by my house. Even one 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 guy uh, tried to turn a corner and, uh, and smash into a garage and went inside somebody's garage, and that's where they got him. Yeah. That's no. a hard way to hide. Right. <laughs> but story yeah, you're right. Uh, 36-year-old Pine City man, yeah. uh, he got up to 120 at one point. Mm-hmm. He, had uh, he was going east. Uh, he was on uh, Highway 91 east of Interstate 35W in the city of Columbus. Mm. Right. There, <laughs> was, there was a woman in the car before the chase started. He pushed her out in the chase. Well, at least he's a gentleman. The yeah. chase <laughs> happened at that point. Really? Yeah. Hey, let me open the door for you, oh, man. Just, yeah, right? <laughs> I hope he slowed down. And here's a shocker. <laughs> what? And here's a shocker. He was on meth. No. <laughs> no way. And he thought I know, weird, right? out of the car. That's great. <laughs> Frankie Quinones, thank you so much. Acme Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow, 8 and 1030. It's great to meet you. And much yeah. success with all these new programs, man. Oh, thank you, Come man. I appreciate you guys. Again. Thanks for having me. Thank yep. you. Stay tuned. We've got more coming your way right here on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location. And those unwanted pounds, they're going fast. Unlike any other weight loss program, Nutramost is so easy. And they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food. And I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a free informational dinner where you too can learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client, an owner who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner. It's Tuesday, April 3rd, 6 p.m. at Jake's City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited, so call 763-333-7337 now to register. That's 763-333-7337. Welcome to the high-speed chase that is the Tom Bernard Show. Setting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader. Tom will be back with you on Monday. You can join me tonight on Coast to Coast AM, the best in overnight talk radio. Check out coasttocoastam.com. For more information tonight and tomorrow. Boy, Frankie, he was a great guy, huh? I yeah, love when is. you have a guy like you could tell he just loves people, he loves his job, he loves doing what he's doing. Yeah, he's he's probably very energetic on stage. Right. He said he does voices and personal stories. Yeah. yeah. And he just was such a, a nice guy and he, he exudes that vibe. He's like twenty two. He's not twenty two, but he's he just exudes that energetic kind of nice guy yeah. vibe. 
And I think that's why he's about to blow up. I mean, that's pretty good to have like four projects that are all coming out in the same year. And just think about it, him just him saying he got the call as he was delivering a fast food sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have been like, here, bitch. (laughs) Throw the sandwich. For free, you know. But, um, I mean, uh, Sebastian Maniscosco talks, and I know I butchered his last name, but uh, he's an Italian from Chicago. Maniscalco. Yeah, I knew it. (laughs) And um, he was waiting tables out in L.A. Yeah, and then just... Yeah. And then it just happens. Happened. Yeah. But he still can't break that barrier of, like, and he was... Because I saw him with um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld on comedians getting cars. Oh, right. Comedians and cars. Yeah, cars getting coffee, yep. And he was talking about how he still isn't translating over getting that TV. Sure. Even though he's selling out major places and this, that, and the other, and all the con- uh, con- uh, comedians recognize him as one of the big talents in the business now and whatnot, but it's still. And if you see his specials, he's very energetic, a lot of body stuff going sure. on, and you would think that would be the type of guy you would throw into a father role on a sitcom. Right. You know. Well, you know, it, but that is, it's what's that trigger? What's that little spark that it takes right. to turn somebody over? Because you've you've been out to festivals, you've heard musicians, right. and you think, God, this band is amazing, and you never hear from hear them from, again. Right. Right? And they're, they're great. And then they, you know, but they just don't go anywhere. A comedian or an actor you see in a movie, and you're like, man, that guy was so good. And they never did another thing. There was a band here, and the name was Greasy Meal. And they, I'll never forget... I was with uh, Mark Rosen, uh, Paul Allen. Name it was the night, matter of fact, it was the night Paul Allen got engaged. Paul Allen, uh, Mike Whitley, because Mike Whitley was the person who drugged me to to hang out with them that night, right. and a few other people. And we were listening to the band, and they kept talking about this is our last night in Minnesota because we're going out to L.A. for our big break, and they went out in L.A., and it just flopped. <laughs> just It all fell apart out there. Well, look, the doors... We're like the uh, the house band, I think, at the Whiskey A Go Go. Right. So other you know singers would come in and they'd play with the Doors, and then between sets, Jim would sing, and you know. But it, all of a sudden, it's just one day. It, something just ignites, and that's it. They send you into the stratosphere, and you watch how some of these people just they hit it, and then others just can't. Yeah, uh, Chicago talks about playing the Whiskey A Go Go and mm-hmm. other places, and they were playing covers and they got tired of playing covers so every once in a while they would sneak in their own stuff and they said the owner would hey come here i need people dancing i need to sell drinks you can take your crap and go or you right know. and they said they just got up and left <laughs> and that was it huh right matter of fact the guy that's in, can't think of his name uh joe montagna oh okay he had a band at the time too in really? chicago and he was saying that when that happened, his band was he was called and his band replaced Chicago at that at that bar. <laughs> How'd that work out for his band? No, not so well. No, but he got another good gig out of it. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I love I I'm so into biographies oh, of I, celebrities. I like those ones they do on bands on uh Netflix. Right. Because it's not totally like, you know, the behind the scenes one where it's like, oh, at some point you know it's gonna turn totally dark <laughs> right. and they're almost right. gonna all die and it's that and the other. You know, like the Chicago one, they explain how they've gone through a meta- metamorphosis and this guy was asked to leave, and this guy was brought in. Sure. And this guy died because of drugs, and this guy came in. And, 
you know, in and out, and then finally making it to the Hall of Fame, and them talking about, you know, their original drummer did show up that night and hung out, and and everything felt good. But then you had people like Peter people, uh, Peter Cetera who wouldn't be interviewed right. at all. You know, it was like. Well, and it's sometimes it's those subtle changes that that set the whole thing moving even even more forward. Right. Like Mike, do you think that the Beatles would have been the Beatles had Pete Best stayed in the band? No, no. But really, not. when you think about it, he was the most inconsequential member of the band. Even Ringo, Paul, George, and John were the face of the band. Really, why wouldn't? Why did it take the catalyst of just the goofy, you know, drummer to be the the what was the boot that knocked them to the next level? Uh. Well, I mean, like we alluded to earlier, it's just timing, I think. I mean, yeah, you're right. Paul and John, I mean, the songwriting along with, you know, their looks, I suppose. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, being around or not being around in the early 60s. But uh, Tom's mentioned it, too. I mean, you just needed something right. culturally. And uh, they were the ones. I mean, you just, boom, just perfect timing. Well, you never know when somebody's sitting in the audience, listening on the radio, watching it, you know. Maybe watching a TV commercial or something and go, right. that's what I've been looking for. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that, that is just the moment. But it's it's so strange, too, that, like I said, you, you can go see a comedian who is uproariously funny, mm-hmm. opening up for some other comedian who you feel is just kind of phoning it in. Right. Like, they've done it so many times, they're walking through it, and it's like a sleepwalk. They're not even into it anymore. But that celebrity is bringing in 20,000 people mm-hmm. to a place, and this other guy's busting his ass, and he's funnier. He's bigger. I, you know, I was liking it to the fact when I went to see Aerosmith's permanent vacation concert and they had this new band opening up for him i had no interest and i usually don't listen that much to the opening bands but they came out and blew the roof off and at the end of it you're like man i don't even know how aerosmith can come out and play and it was guns and roses and that was before they <laughs> hit it big that was like their their you know indoctrination into this but you watch how how some of these people just really kind of pounded out and then you know look cindy lopper and madonna came out relatively the same mm-hmm. time how did one blow up to become like one of the most cultural icons in the world and the other one is just kind of oh she's a cute little quirky character she's got a great voice she's always kept her her integrity and and everything like that why somehow, why is one bigger than the other somehow some way madonna got played on not only well she was hot and she right. played up the sexuality a lot more well not only that but even before all that happened she was being played on pop radio mm-hmm. and also black radio she was. She was. I didn't know that about Madonna. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember hearing her when I was growing up, and friends say, "Hey, there's this chick named Madonna. We, you got to hear her." You know, her first, her what you would call her first hit actually did better on black radio than it did on pop radio. <laughs> That's crazy, right? And then there's some of these crossover entertainers too who blow up. Look at David Hasselhoff. Right. Is like Germany's favorite son when it comes to music. And you hear what he's singing, and you're like, how did this happen? Yeah. Is Germany that starved for entertainment? We just happened to give him a good, you know, a, a, a mediocre singer who it blew up for? I don't know. Entertainment's weird. It's so spotty, and you watch these, you watch people excel that you just don't understand how they got to where they are, and, and other people, uh, just that pop never happens. And I know what you're saying. It's It's got to be the right time and the right, right. moment, and, and that door swings open right. for you. But I don't know. What, what do you, you know, it's, it's the Simpsons. Are you guys fans of the Simpsons? I mean, loosely. I mean, Andy's probably more in it than any of us. Mike, how about you? Are you a Simpsons yeah, fan? Yeah, me and Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you still feel, though, that it's a relevant show right now, or is it more kind of a kitsch value? Or is Fox holding it on to it just because 
it's The Simpsons, the longest-running TV show, the longest-running cartoon. Do you think that that's what's keeping it afloat, or is it the real content? Because I've popped in, and I really just don't find the same entertainment value I did on the old series from the first 10 years. It's interesting because people, you don't hear about people, you know, it's not a national phenomenon like it was back when it was new, but if you look up the ratings, it's still one of the highest rated shows on TV. It's just no one's making it into a cultural meme for some reason. Everyone's watching it. They're just not talking about it. I don't know why. You know, because when it first happened, you had Bart and he was brass and it was eat my shorts or, you know. Right. You know, some some line, throwaway line from Bart, then Homer with his dumb sayings became the next thing. And then all of a sudden it was yeah. like... Well, it evolved. Every right. line was like a thing. Right. But that's what I think kept them alive for the first 10 years because they, they would evolve. I just don't see anything new on the show to me when I pop in. It's just... I kind of feel like it's it's like a soap opera. You could tune in at any time, and you probably figure out exactly where you are in the storyline, and nothing's really that important for you to to continue to watch it. So the Simpsons just don't ping anymore, but they're still there successfully. Yeah, some population out there, they're 18 to 49. They have like a three share or something, which in these days is quite good. Uh, so, yeah, there are there's a lot of people out there watching it. Uh, you just, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're just so young that we don't, uh, we're not in contact with them. Yeah, I, so I, I just, think it's more the people in the generation from the '80s through that would be the ones that are still watching it. But right. in my experience, those people find more joy in hating it and being upset <laughs> that it's not the same as it was, was when they were yeah. kids. I just, I just remember it being on the Tracy Ullman show, right? As a drop-in bit every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. time in between when sketches it, when they right. needed a filler. And that was it was very very different. <laughs> it was very crude. I mean, the way they were sketched was, it was more um, non-human. It was right. You know, more well, it was alien. Matt cartoony right. version of him, right? Right. It was yeah. More a- I alien. think he drew the entire thing himself. Yeah, but you can't you can't mock the success. There it is, still playing, and it's yeah. still relevant in yeah. the sense that major celebrities want to be a part of it. When you look at the history. I mean, once you get past the, past the schlockiness of the Simpsons and their predictions, right? And which is weird, but if you've been around thirty years and you make a joke, at some point, one of those points are probably going to yeah. come true, right? But uh, but when you look at the relevance of how many celebrities have moved through that show and have played parts, and you know have, have been a part of it, that that's pretty remarkable. From Michael Jackson to David Duchovny to Paul McCartney. You know, I mean, just I think you had Joe Montana has been in there. You've had some of the most major players in the world have all been a part of that culture. So it is that's probably one of those shows that just defy logic on why the popularity is where it is. But it just it always exists. How many more years do you think they've got on it, Andy? Uh, Given its current ratings, I think they could go for quite some time if they wanted to. Well, until at least one of the main I think, vocal actors drops dead, right? Yeah, I think that's going to be the main thing, is one of them is not going to be able to do the show anymore. Uh, that character will drop, and then that's going to be basically the death knell of the show. Because once you break up the family, people are just, it's not going to be the same show. Even when you get somebody that does a, a close enough vocal, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't replace the the cast on that. It's it's I don't know. I love I love the pop culture stuff and I love the references they've always done and they've been cutting edge with that. It just uh 
you know, then you've got shows like I thought Family Guy was cut short way too quickly when it first came out. That's another one of those shows where I kind of feel like now when I watch it, it's almost painful because right. it just doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't have any sense to it. It's it's too much like it's parodying itself, and programs are starting to become that way. It feels like just lazy television programming to me. Well, well there's a lot of yeah. Laziness. Family Guy is really yeah very lazy. But also, I mean, when a show starts to creep up on ten years, I mean, it's like, dude, you got to end it because I right. mean, look at Modern Family. It used to be funny. Right. Big Bang. I mean, yeah. you, you just these shows cannot last for ten years. I well, mean, ten years, I think maybe that's that, the well, mark. That, if yeah, you hit it, yeah, it's about time. Then you just say goodbye and let you know pass the torch on. Unless you you add a significant uh, new twist, person. yeah, something that's gonna that, I mean, right in the history of television. I mean, it's like Cheers to Frasier is one of the only ones I could think of that's as successful, if not more successful, than the predecessor. Yeah, well, that, that Frasier was a very successful show. Yeah, and the Star Trek launch points have done pretty well for themselves, right? I mean, you've you've melded quite a few and culled them off of that. But there, I'm just trying to think. There was oh, all in the family. When you look at that case, mm-hmm. what did that spawn? Maud, the Jeffersons, uh, Good Times. Mm-hmm. Right? There was a bunch of those shows that all kind mm-hmm. of peeled off. So there's some, you know, that's some power. Uh, we've got to get going. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Brian Bailey will join us in the next segment. Uh, we're going to talk about when dogs attack. What can we do? Is there something you can do to fend off an attack like that? We'll find out next on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. And while other sellers and real estate agents hibernate, the Chris Lindahl team is selling homes like hotcakes. Chris has done a great job. We have our house on the market with Chris right now, as a matter of fact. And the video he did is amazing. The Chris Lindahl team is America's number one REMAX results team for a reason. They play to win. And they've got the skill players to sell your home fast. In fact, they sell a home on average every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. At 763-401-SOLD, the first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the best of the Tom Bernard Show, brought to you by Brad, Sean, Bryant, or as he's known, the backup to my hard drive, every Saturday at noon for highlights from the past week and classic moments from our vault. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you in studio next Monday. I'm Dave Schrader filling in. Thank you. It's been a pleasure sitting in the last couple of days here. We have a guest joining us for the remainder of the show. Best-selling author, canine pharmacotherapy behaviorist. Did I say that right, Mark? Mike, that's a big word. And dog aggression expert is here with us now. Brian Bailey, his book, The Hammer, Why Dogs Attack? and how to prevent it. Brian, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is, you know, 
when I was a kid, I remember playing outside all the time with my friends. The dogs ran up and down the neighborhoods. Nobody ever had to worry. And there was one day, man, I was out in my friend's yard playing, saw their dog, Tasha, every day for years. And I'm just, I literally was walking heel to toe like I was walking on a, a tightrope in the grass. And all of a sudden that dog just turned and launched at me and big German shepherd bit me in the leg and started dragging me across the yard. I was kicking at it with my other foot and screaming and hollering. It took two adults to get that dog away from me. Nobody could ever understand what happened. Why did that dog snap? I mean, this dog had been around everybody for years and wasn't abused. And that uh, thankfully never made me terrified of dogs, but it sure, sure made me reticent about, uh, you know, <laughs> new dogs I didn't know. And, uh, you know, that might've been a good thing, but what happens to dogs that make them get aggressive like this? Well, aggression is a tool, and it's one of those that we, we just don't like to think about. Uh, we, we'd rather not. We, we, we went on little people in fur coats, and, and, and last time I looked, my dog was supposed to lower my blood pressure, not raise it. Right. Uh, so it's an area that we, we just turn a blind eye to. But dogs are aggressive for many reasons, but in the book, I kind of narrowed down to three main reasons. Either competitive, uh, I, I want to fight you over food or an object. Territorial, I want to defend the dwelling place in which I reside. Or third, self-defense. You, you've done something to me, and I feel I need to defend myself from you. Right, and, and I understand those aspects of it, but, you know, I guess is just the random dog attacks like that natural where all of a sudden everything's, you know, seemingly normal, the dog's always out there, always doing these things, and then they just kind of pop? Is that a medical condition at all for some dogs, or, or does it usually mean they just felt that it's in some way, somehow, they were being threatened? You know, it, it, it can be a medical condition. I do a lot of uh, treating of dogs that are naturally or maladaptive, uh, fearful or aggressive, hence the word canine pharmacotherapy, in which we actually use antidepressants and benzodiazepines and a few other medications to chemically control their environment. But most dogs, if they're going to attack, there is a valid reason why they do so. Uh, and, and sometimes we just don't see it at that moment. But I... After interviewing thousands of people for over 35 years, I came across four main factors for an attack, and those were disbelief. The human didn't believe that they would be attacked by that dog at that time, whether it be their family's dog or their own dog or someone else's. Ignorance. They don't know why dogs do attack. Why do they attack human beings? Blind. Uh, there's blindness. They didn't see the attack coming. They didn't feel the dog stiffen. They didn't see the dog regarding them out the corner of their eye, uh, things uh, of that nature. And then lastly, the speed. By the time they, some even did recognize that the attack was imminent, it was too fast to avoid. Because out in the wild, for aggression to be effective, it has to be very swift. And those are the main factors uh, involved. But number one, by far, pure disbelief. No way, no how could that have happened to me. All right. And, and is this, you know, I mean, we hear these stories of pit bulls and there's this kind of now inbred fear in people that this dog is one of the most violent. And, and I remember growing up and it was always Dobermans, right? That, that was our fear in the 1970s was Dobermans. <laughs> now Doberman it's, and everything else. Right. And then a pit bulls. Yeah. Are, is it just the, the cyclical is, nature? Gained, uh, uh, notoriety in a, in a very bad way, not in the way that you want to be known. Only because, as I write in my book, I definitely made sure I stayed off this soapbox of, 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 of being political and being biased toward one breed or the other. I put it down into science. Uh, this is called a social predator. It may be domesticated, but it still shares a perfect pair of 39 chromosomes with its ancestors, a gray wolf. And therefore, it will attack for a lot of the same reasons that a wolf will. The issue is that any dog can bite you. 
but there are a few breeds out there that can kill you, and they do kill a lot of people. And whether you love pit bulls or not, fact is fact, 74% of the fatalities that occur in this country occur from pit bulls or big bully breeds. Uh, they just have the ability to get the job done, and you add to that, we nurtured that aggression. We wanted that. So, again, welcome, mankind. You got what you wanted. Um, you have an animal who has a capability of, of tremendous violence and tremendous power. Um, so there we go. That, you add those two combinations that we nurture this aggression and add the size and power and, and some of the unbelievable things that humans do. And, and the bottom line is you have severe injuries or fatalities. All right, well, let's talk about how, how can we prevent dog attacks. If if I'm out and about, I mean, I remember growing up, it was never make direct eye contact with a dog. That can seem like a sense of aggression. Smiling at a dog can seem like a sense of aggression. Are those fallacies, or, or is there truth behind that? There's absolute truth behind that. Uh, I think a lot of it is awareness, always being aware. Again, that, that disbelief causes us to walk down this very narrow tunnel vision and, and, and do stupid things around dogs. And, and I don't really mean to use the word stupid, but sometimes when you see these, you go, are you serious? The dog was growling at you, and yet you tried to pet it anyway. Uh, and if you extend the back of your hand, all you did was give the dog something to bite. Uh, I'll now start with the back of the hand and work my way up your arm and onto your torso. Um, around every dog are two zones. One's called a threat zone and one's called a critical zone. If they ever perceive you as a threat, and that's up to the dog, it's not up to you. You can be the nicest guy in the world. But if that dog looks at you and goes, you're a possible foe, I wouldn't you through what's called an identification friend or foe. If they ever think that you're a foe, while you're at a distance away from them, they will start to do behaviors. Uh, either look out the corner of their eye, slink a little bit, show their teeth. In other words, they're saying, please don't come closer to me. But should you wander into this critical zone, which is an area right up next to the animal, there's only two behaviors that occur in there, fight or flight. And if that dog happens to be on a leash, cornered, in a, uh, by up a, uh, on a sofa, on a bed, guaranteed you're going to be attacked. See what's so we just need to avoid those. We need to recognize when those occurrences are happening, keep in our head. Competitive, territorial, self-defense, and always be on guard. And if you watch, I mean, our, our Facebook and Twitter feeds are loaded with funny videos of dogs, and in some of them, they seem like they're ver- being very aggressive. They're snarling, their tongue keeps jabbing in and out, and they look like they're ready to kill, and then as soon as the, the person reaches his hand out, the puppy's leaning on them and, and rubbing their head, and you know, it's, it's like a totally different sign than what they're giving to them. Is that a trained or learned behavior, or are they still trying to tell you that this this could go really bad for you, but you're just I lucking out? Do, it's a matter of, uh, again, being the, the awareness, the, the totality of the entire situation. How old is the dog? Is it a puppy or is it an adult? Is it a large animal? Is it a small animal? Does it have an object? Uh, does it have a stake in its mouth versus your your dirty socks? A, a lot of it has to be taken into its context. But the bottom line is this. If you don't know for sure, if that's not your dog and you don't know for sure, then you must go to, you must default to foe, to threat, to attack, and immediately just back away from the dog. Don't don't try to engage the dog at that moment. All right, and, and the fact that, you know, a lot of people get bit because they get down on the dog. They, a lot of people believe that getting down to the dog's level is less intimidating to them. Is this, is this uh, one big, of the old wives' tales? Kinda, uh, one of the, the most frightful things that I see is when I see parents that allow their children to walk up to a strange dog and hug it or give it a kiss, 
uh, in the wild, and again, I'm going to go back to that because we have what's called global specific behaviors, and these are behaviors that dogs and wolves still share. And there's a, 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 an issue in which we call it the principle of resemblance. In other words, when a wolf looks across the way or a dog looks across the way and sees another dog about its size, they can look it dead in the eyes. Then at that moment, depending upon the, the maturation level of that particular dog or wolf, they don't see a playmate. They can see an opponent or a threat. And things change. Things become very serious. And that's why most children, half of the fatalities that occur in this country happen to children because children, by the time they're two years old, are head level, if not taller than the average dog. And there they come walking up, and Rocky the Rottweiler has a Barbie in his mouth, and little Susie wants to take her Barbie back. Rocky warns, Susie ignores, and Susie's attacked. That um, happens. The principle of resemblance. If you're about my size, I'm going to regard you completely different than what I would regard you if you're crawling across the floor much shorter than I am. So size is important. Hmm. So is it, it's better to look bigger, or is that does that keep them, although they may become aggressive, they're more willing to yield to somebody that seems bigger and more powerful or, or menacing to them? Yeah, it kind of works for you and it works against you. It works for you in the sense that before every attack, every attack, every animal will run the situation or you through what's called a, a cost versus benefit analysis real quickly. In other words, okay, I have this Hershey bar, and I know this human doesn't want me to have this Hershey bar, but do I... Do I feel I can drive this human away and keep the Hershey bar? If they feel that, that's what they're going to do. But if the human's big and menacing and is approaching them and says, hey, no, spit that out, the dog may go, okay, you give. <laughs> the benefit of the Hershey bar is not worth the cost of keeping it. Uh, so all dogs run through that. So sometimes being larger does work out for you. You seem to be more of a competitor. Other times you turn into more of a threat. Uh, I'm a tall guy, six foot two, and I meet dogs every single day. And I have dogs react to me immediately that do not react to the five foot female trainers that work for me uh, because of that. So sometimes it works for Daryl Bryan, and sometimes it works against Bryan. All right, and I know the next three minutes are going to fly by on us here. Give me some points for people, safety features and, and some ideas on how to prevent. And if they are being attacked, is there something we can do to stop it? Absolutely. Number one, always believe that it can occur. That, that sets you up in the right mind frame right off the bat. Believe that you can be bitten, because then that will open your eyes to any possibilities, to any possible warning signals that you may be receiving from the dog. It, keep in mind why dogs attack. It's either competitive, it's territorial, or it's self-defense. And when it comes to self-defense, that's going to boil down to if you ever touch a dog. It's up to the dog to, deterpret, to interpret what does that touch mean. Is that a friendly touch or is that a dangerous touch? And if you see the warning signals, pull the hand away slowly and move away from the dog. And lastly, I write a chapter in my book about surviving attacks. If you're attacked by a very large dog, a medium to large-sized dog, and you're attacked, don't fight back. Do not fight back. Uh, because when you do that, that could cause the attack that was only meant to drive you away into now you're fighting back and the dog's initial attack for competitive reasons morphs very quickly into self-defense. And self-defense aggression is where fatalities occur. They're both fighting for their lives, human and dog, and humans usually win. I tell everyone, don't fight back. Go to the ground. Lay down. In other words, don't let the animal pull you to the ground because we're certainly going to do that. So go ahead and beat them to the punch. Get to the ground safe and under control. Curl up, cover up. Be still, be dead. 
you're that, they have negated, they've negated their threat. They will back off. I can say this because I've lived through it not once but three times, and I've also had hundreds of clients attest that that does work, and it does work. You've been attacked three times to the point where you had to lay down and fake dead? Unfortunately, I have, uh, and I've been to the emergency room many times. So, again, a lot of what I write is uh, was written in blood and in, in my own personal experience. And, and I'm a person that's been to 38 countries, to Africa. i have born and raised in Alaska. I do a lot of work, a lot of studies on social predators, and I've been attacked by bears and a few other animals. Um, so, again, it's a matter of Maybe it's time to just to stay in. Moment. You can't avoid it. It's over. The animal now has attacked you. Now what you do next, and don't fight back. If you fight back, it will continue its fight against you. That's crazy, right? Because our, our initial reaction is that fight or flight, and you want to do something to protect, but just try to cover up the soft spots and lay down. Is that it? Cover up your head. Most canine fatalities, when a wolf kills a wolf, they punch a hole in their skull. They don't want to be in the fight for very long, so it's not going to rip out your controls or anything of that sort there. They want to get out of this engagement. They want to negate the threat quickly, so they punch a hole in your skull. I tell people, curl up, cover up your head, cover up your neck, your face as best you can with your arms, tight fetal position, and be still and be quiet because dead animals don't scream. Do your best. It's hard, it's difficult, but just be calm, and I guarantee you will walk away or crawl away from this this fight. All right, uh, Brian, thanks for the information. It's life-saving, good thoughts for people to, to take this into account. Get a copy of the book, The Hammer, Why Dogs Attack and How to Prevent It. Again, uh, Brian Bailey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to uh, been here again. Thanks to Orny and to Frankie for being here, JB, Mike, uh, Catherine, Andy. Thank you guys for being on the show. It's been a pleasure sitting in for Tom. I'm sure I'll be back with you guys again in the future. Tom will be back at the helm Monday. So be safe, be kind, love one another, and I'll see you again here on the Tom Bernard Show. Hey.